on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. Like you said there, a lot of people will look at their shoe and be like, yeah, that looks flat. It may look flat, but a lot of times it's not. Even if it has something like a four millimeter drop, that's very, very minuscule in the grand scheme of things. But your brain is still perceiving that elevation of the heel relative to the toes. So that could almost be... What you got? Welcome to In The Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple hows in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us in the rack today. This is our fourth episode of the In the Rack podcast. Uh, the last episode, we did talk a lot about feet and modern day footwear, and we did discuss in that episode that we were going to be talking a little bit more about transitioning um, and how we transition pay our patients and clients to more natural footwear from the footwear that they're already using. Um, so, if if all of you guys are just tuning in for the first time, I'm your host Chad, and I got my co-host with me, also our very own foot nerd Nick. Um, and we are excited about this one because anytime we get to talk about feet, we get all excited about it. So, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the transition today, and we're going to call this episode freeing the feet. And as we go on and talk about, uh, the transitions, there are certain steps involved. This is not something that is just, you know, um, just, just wear a piece of footwear and you're good to go. So, um, before we get into this episode, we do want to recap a little bit of last episode. I know some of the listeners, if you're just tuning in today, um, <clears throat> you might not have heard uh, what we talked about last time. If you did, this will be a little good recap for you. Um, if you didn't, you should check out episode three. We called that one Foot Fetish. That was a good one. Um, and we did talk a little bit more about the specifics of the modern day footwear and, and how it can negatively impact your feet. But um, Nick, why don't we kind of just recap just really quickly about the negative impact that this modern day footwear has on our feet, just so that, you know, everybody kind of has a little background before we get started. No problem. Yeah. So the two big things that are common aspects of the modern shoe is the excessive heel to toe drop. So that the heel is elevated or kind of propped up relative to where the toes are. So that places you on that downward slope, dumps your center of mass forward. It shortens your calf and Achilles. So kind of does a few different things there that, that almost trick your brain into thinking you're moving downhill all day. And then the brain's got to kind of pump the brake slightly throughout the day. So you're hitting the, the, the gas pedal and the brake at the same time, you know, the, the whole time you have the shoes on. And then the other big one is the narrow toe box. So the, the human foot should be widest from the tip of the big toe to the tip of the little toe. But most shoes are widest at the base of those toes. So you get this kind of narrowing in after the the uh, the beginnings of the toes and that crams them together. So that limits your body's ability to absorb shock. It restricts the blood flow to the, the plantar surface, the bottom surface of the foot. So those things aren't, aren't great. And then a couple other things that we, we touched upon briefly, um, but you know, those first two are kind of the biggest two, but most, most modern shoes got a really, really rigid sole. So even though it's a lot of cushion, it's still really stiff. It, it typically only has, you know, one, maybe two areas where it bends. Whereas the foot, the human foot has 33 joints. Wherever there's a joint, there should be some some form of movement to some degree. So, you know, if we have 33 joints, but then shoe only bends in one or two places, there's some disconnect or mismatch there. And then you got with that, the the thickness a lot of times of these soles and the, the over cushioning. 
And we, we talked a little bit more about that in the last episode, but that's going to really, really, you know, hit that mute button on, um, you know, those nerve endings in your feet. And it's, it's going to make your foot act differently than it were if it were on the ground. And then a couple other things that we, we maybe didn't touch upon, but, but our aspects we do want to hit upon are, you know, the, the heels on a lot of these shoes are really, really stiff and they don't let the heel move. And the heel um, kind of rolling outward into what's called um, pronation or eversion is really what triggers that cascade of events to happen for shock absorption during walking. So that's really important. If you have stiffness at that heel, that, that cascade can't start. So that can be a big problem. Another one is the toe spring. So the toes are kind of jammed up or lifted up. They curl up at the front. You can look at your shoes right now, probably have them. And that's going to put your toes, jam your toes up into extension, and that's going to limit their mobility and their ability to push off the ground. And then the, the other big thing with that is a lot of these shoes we're finding now have this kind of concave, almost boat-like shape in the sole. So that pushes your second and third and even fourth metatarsal, so those those bones in the middle of your foot, down towards the ground more than the first and the fifth, which the foot should really be act kind of like a tripod. So we got you know, our, our big pressure points at the first, the fifth, so that both outsides of the foot and then the heel, right? Those are the three points. But this concavity of the foot is really, or, or of the shoe is really putting the foot in this position where those two points, those first and fifth, have a hard time contacting the, the surface. So those are really the big, the big things you'll find with most modern shoes, especially athletic footwear we see it a lot even dress shoes dress shoes tend to be really really narrow so and you'll see a big drop in dress shoes yeah so you know i i think uh a lot of people are confused too as to what we would consider natural footwear or quote-unquote barefoot shoes or minimalist shoes however you want to call it um most people could be looking at the shoes and be like yeah my shoes are pretty flat um these got to be you know pretty natural for my foot so Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the criteria that might be involved when we decide that, you know, a, a type of shoe or sneaker is more of a natural footwear as opposed to like other shoes. Like what, what are things that we like to look for? So big, big things are, are going to be, you know, the, that zero drop. So like you said there, a lot of people will look at their shoe and be like, yeah, that looks flat. It may look flat, but a lot of times it's not. Even if it has something like a four millimeter drop, that's very, very minuscule in the grand scheme of things. But your brain is still perceiving that elevation of the heel relative to the toes. So that could almost be worse than you being in something like a, high, a two inch high heel because that, that your brain is consciously aware of that. But if it's a four millimeter, six or, you know, most most common athletic shoes are like eight to ten and that your brain is kind of it's subconsciously per- perceiving it, but you're not registering it. So you just carry on for weeks, months, years without any kind of repercussions so then it all this snowball only down the hill picks up steam and and next thing you know you got all these problems related to that maybe not solely caused by it but definitely related so zero drop is is a big one for us another one is the wide toe box so getting those those toes some room to breathe that's a huge one so like i said wide is from tip of the big toe to tip of the little toe you want when you look down at your shoes you almost at first when you when you wear some you know natural footwear it's going to look like con shoes and that's okay it gives your toes much more room to operate, you know, and then the other things would be like a flexible sole. Like I said before, your foot's got 33 joints for a reason. The flexible sole allows those joints to all interact with the ground or any surface you're on. And then the thin sole is, you know, kind of the last one that we, we touch upon because some people might not get there. 
the thin sole is is primarily to allow you to feel the ground better to to allow those nerve endings you know upwards of 200,000 in the foot to really really operate naturally and normally um but it's one we're willing to kind of meet people halfway on if they've gone you know a lifetime already in 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 a lot of thickness and cushion underneath their foot their their body might not be able to tolerate that all the time so that's one we uh the thin sole is one where we we will um you know compromise and yeah and you know i mean going down the checklist you've got your your zero drop your wider toe box your flexible sole and possibly your thin sole if it's appropriate for you um now you're at the point where you're like all right i got the shoe uh you know what do i do now so um this is the question that we get a lot from our patients and clients and it's like all right so i've got the shoe now what do i do about transitioning you know, to this shoe from whatever I'm wearing, whether it's a Hoka or a Brooks or an Asics or whatever type of shoe you're wearing. And can it really be just as easy as buying a Bevo Barefoot or a, you know, ultra running shoe? And the answer is no. And um, it, and we, we say that only because um, we know that there's multiple steps involved. You know, it's, um, it's not as easy as just buying the shoe and just saying, okay, we're good to go. You know, um, we look at it not like a cookbook. I mean, a cookbook's like, all right, step one is you add flour. Step two is like you add water, you know, whatever. If like you're trying to make a pie and, and I don't know how to make pie, but if I did, I would go through the steps and at the bottom of the cookbook, it would say, all right, this is how long it takes. It takes two hours. Um, but we know when it, when it goes, um, when it comes to, you know, transitioning to natural footwear and kind of getting us to that point, we know that, um, you know, it's, it's not as easy as saying, all right, it's going to take four weeks to do this or two weeks to do this or whatever. You know, this is something that we want you to all understand that in order to gain this positive relationship with your feet, we, this is a lifelong journey. You know, it's not something that just happens overnight. And we always recommend that people start small, you know, and kind of start, at, there's got to be a starting point, right? And so I guess my question for you, Nick, is like, where do we start? You know, because I know that everybody's thinking about it like, all right, great. I already know what shoe I need. Now, what do I do? Where do I start? Honestly, the first place that anyone can start if they're trying to, if, they, if they're listening and they're like, okay, I want to I wanna make this change. The first place that anyone should really start is find out where you fall on the footwear or the barefoot spectrum. And what I mean by that is, is this, this whole conversation we're having about transitioning, it's, it's all a continuum or a spectrum. So on one end of the continuum, you have being barefoot, you know, being able to run, jump, all this kind of stuff barefoot. The other end is the, you know, a moon boot, essentially, the, the most cushion you could think of, the most stability you could think of in your, in your footwear. So this, where you fall in the continuum could change based on the day, the hour, the activity you're doing so it depends on what activity you're doing so if you're going for a run versus you're just going for a walk those are two different activities yeah they're very similar motions but they're two different activities in that you know you might need a little bit more cushion for the running than you would for you know the walking so we want to think about it in that context but you want to find out where you fall in general on this so if you are someone who can tolerate barefoot all the time doesn't matter you can walk on rocks you can you can walk on any surface you're pretty far along the barefoot end of the continuum. You can go ahead and probably purchase those minimalist shoes right now. If you are someone who is like, man, when I get home, I can't even walk in the house barefoot. I gotta, I can tolerate five minutes maybe. All right, you're more towards that moon boot side of the continuum. So we have to start you off real, real slow and say, okay, let's keep the cushion. Let's even keep maybe even the the, the narrow toe box and let's just work on the drop 
or vice versa. Let's 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 work on the box. Let's work on something else. So so you got to find out where you fall in the continuum. We'll get deeper into that stuff where you you kind of pick and choose. But knowing where you fall on that that spectrum is is what you need to start because then you can make your decisions. You can say, okay, I'm going to get this shoe first and then work my way to this shoe, vice versa. Um, so knowing knowledge is power and knowing where you are on that spectrum is going to be kind of your, your first step in any of this, um, you know, making the decision on what I'm going to buy for a shoe next, really how many shoes am I going to have to go through to get to this step, all that kind of stuff. So after you were to figure out where you fall on that spectrum, you really want to, you know, decide where or what you want to do goals wise. So that's going to impact, you know, your, your end goal, because you want to work backwards. You want to say, okay, what's my finish line and how do I get there? And what's a reasonable way to get there? And what's, what's a reasonable kind of shoe for that, that, that finish line. So in doing that, um, you would be able to kind of fill in the middle, right? You figure out where you are at the start at the beginning of the spectrum, and then you figure out where you want to be at the end. You go from there. Not It doesn't mean everybody has to be at barefoot, but also not everybody should be at moon boot, right? We should all be somewhere in the middle, and it's going to depend on the individual where in, in between that we fall. All right, so after you do all that, um, you definitely want to, you know, start thinking about shifting more towards the barefoot side. So you would, you would then kind of determine your barefoot capacity or ability, right? So if you are that person who doesn't function well in the house or move around the house well barefoot, all right, well, let's start there. Let's not even worry about the footwear yet. Let's start regaining some of that capacity to go barefoot. Um, you want to rebuild the tolerance there first, you know, it, it, just on household surfaces, maybe in the yard a little bit. Um, start getting those feet used to that, get the nerve endings used to it, get the muscles built back up. And then you can start thinking about changing your footwear because if you just go into it haphazardly, change the footwear, but you don't address, you know, just natural movement in, in bare feet, um, you're likely going to run into some issues, whether it's pain or just it doesn't feel right. Things feel stiff, tight, you know, that kind of stuff. So after you figure out where you fall on the spectrum and then we'll go hand in hand with you figuring out your barefoot ability, those would definitely be steps one and two for sure. Um, and then it comes to the point now you're, now you're getting into, okay, let's, let's start with the footwear and let's make small changes first. So our favorite one here to start with is the heel to toe drop. You can start with the narrow toe box, but most shoes with a narrow toe box are zero drop. So you would want to influence your drop first. And this can be a tricky one for a lot of people because, um, especially, you know, people like runners who have been running in these 10 millimeter drops and 10 millimeters is you know, all of about a quarter of an inch, but that makes a difference in the long term. And when you take an activity like running or something where you're, there's a little bit more force, there's a little bit more pounding. So your body has adapted to this, this, this downward slope position of the foot, the shortened calf, the shortened Achilles. So if I take that short Achilles that has really adapted into that position now, and I go from 10 millimeters to zero, sometimes your body will rebel against you right away. Sometimes it'll take a couple of days, sometimes a couple of weeks. So for those people, we may drop down five millimeters, right? So for example, you have a shoe that's 10 millimeters. Um, I didn't want to name any names, but we'll go with, um, you know, say a Brooks, that's a common running shoe. Yeah, let's name the names. All right, let's, let's call them out. Okay. Call them out. So Brooks runs on average 10 millimeters, probably for the male shoes, 12 for the females. So that's pretty high up there. If we're going to go right to a zero, so say like an ultra, that's going to be comparable in th sole thickness. 
that might be a little aggressive, especially 12. Like 10 to 12 is going to be pretty aggressive. So we might go down to between four and six, right? So that brings us into Hopas, those tend to run four to six. You got on clouds, which could be anywhere from like three to eight. Even some New Balance will run in that that kind of six range. Um, there's a Schubert and Newton. Um, they're out of Colorado. That's another one that's in like the three to five, six range. So that would be a good kind of transition option. And that transition when you're in those shoes could take anywhere from, you know, could be a week. Some people could turn around and be like, okay, I got it. And my, my body's figured it out. But I would say most people are going to be, you know, a couple months before they're fully out of those shoes, those transition shoes. And in that transition time, you may be doing some um, walking or, or other activities in, you know, the zero drop footwear. So a lot of times we encourage people to get both. And maybe, so for example, say you go for a walk, say you walk three miles every day. We may say, hey, look, take your, your transition shoes, wear those for two, and then try for the last mile to, to change shoes. So loop back home, switch shoes, go zero drop for the last mile. You know, and, and it's going to be dependent on the individual, what works for them. Um, so, so those are the types of things that we'll troubleshoot together. And it'll be a lot of trial and error, but, um, you know, the, the, keep the end goal in sight and, and in mind. And we, we know that this is a lifelong process. So in order to get there, we got to take the time, put in the, put in the time, put in the efforts. So heel toe drop first, typically, just because, I mean, you could do the toe box first, but most of your, your wide toe box are going to be zero drop uh, on the market. So the next would then be, you know, once we kind of get down to that zero drop, now we need to address the other things. If you get a zero drop shoe, good chances are you have a wide toe box, which is great, but you may need to play around with the brands because some brands are wider than others. Some brands have a little bit more width in certain areas. Um, you know, even even with it, the, the arch of the foot can be, you know, problematic for some people. So some of the minimalist shoes will have wider toes, but still a narrow midfoot and hindfoot or heel. So you may have to, you know, dive into different brands depending on that. Um, but then the next thing we deal with is cushion. Okay, so how much cushion are we going to get down to? If someone's goal is to be barefoot as much as possible, we want to get down as close to the ground as possible. So that's going to be your, your Vivo barefoots, your um, Zero shoes your limbs, you know, all these, all these shoes that are popping up all over the, the world, really, those are going to be the, the shoes you're looking at. Now it gets kind of dicey and cloudy when we talk about types of activities, because in terms of running, for the most part, people have been running for a good portion of their lives and they've been running in cushion, um, especially the last four or five decades. Um, they may not be in a situation to get down to that, that, zero drop very minimalist soul in the next months let alone year or two so it may not be w w reasonable for them they may not want to do that and that's okay you know as long as you're running in something you know ideally zero drop then you can transition in and out of those minimalist shoes for other activities um, and where it really gets tricky is the sports shoes so i know some of these companies are starting to work on kind of sports specific shoes for that, you know, are better for the foot, wider, zero drop for, you know, basketball. So court sports, field sports, cleats is a huge issue because they're all super narrow. You know, if that's the case, if there's not something, you know, you could probably get by with say like a, a there might be enough grip on, on some of these like trail shoes, like a Vivo barefoot trail shoe or an ultra tra trail shoe to play a sport like tennis, um, you know, or, or something else um, that that's agility based, you know, tight spaces, moving back and forth laterally, rotationally, 
forward back. But if you're talking about a sport like basketball where you got to jump a ton, volleyball where you got to jump a ton, you know, that's that, that type of a sport's not natural. The human being has only been playing those sports for the last, you know, century really. So if you were going to transition into something, um, you know, super flat, no cushion, it might be tricky. So so these, these companies are, are working on that, but there's no great answers there yet. So I would encourage sport athletes, team sport athletes, court, field-based, you know, continue to play in the shoes that, that you feel comfortable in, but then you need to get out of those shoes when you're not playing. So, you know, if you're tra- training in the weight room, try to be in something very minimalist so your, your foot is strengthening as you do that. If you're out walking, you know, try to be in something more minimalist so you're strengthening your foot while you do that. Cool study um, just came out recently. It was actually using a Vivo Barefoot shoe that uh, people who were, I think it was 70% of the time that they were shod, so in shoes, they were wearing a minimalist shoe. And I forget the time frame of the study, but they they gained uh, like 60% strength in, in the small muscles of their feet. So their feet, their foot muscles were literally strengthening just from the shoe they were wearing, doing nothing aside from the normal stuff they were doing, walking, um, you know, errands, all those those types of things that we we all have to do their feet were strengthening just because they wore those shoes. So talking about compliance, I mean, that's easy. I don't have to give you a home exercise program. Just wear these shoes 75, 70% of the time and your feet will strengthen. That's pretty cool. Yeah, interesting concept how, uh, you know, you can gain strength when you're actually using your muscles. It's weird. <laughs> I know it is weird, right? <laughs> I love how we, we go back and forth on that. Like we, totally. we go away from it and then we learn it again and then we have to relearn it a couple years later. It's, it's, it's the craziest thing. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. So those are kind of the, the main the main steps, right? So you'd figure out where you are on the the footwear spectrum, right? Along with that kind of step 1A or step 2 would be you, you figure out your barefoot capacity or your barefoot ability. So how well you tolerate being barefoot. And then you have your information needed to go to step 3 and make your decision on, okay, what changes am I going to make to the shoe first? Probably heel to toe drop first. Okay, where am I going to go? With this step, that's step 3, Go the shoes you have. If you don't know what they are, you're like, oh, these look flat. Just go online, search the shoe, the model, and just search specifications on it, and you'll probably get some information. The funny thing is, on a lot of these um, well-known shoes, you know, your your Nikes, Asics, um, especially for for running, sports, things like that, um, they're hard to find sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's really hard to find the exact like heel to toe drop. So, are people trying to hide stuff? Who the heck knows? But I would say yes, <laughs> but nonetheless, it can be hard to find. So, but there are people out there that, that, you know, look at this stuff pretty closely and, and will write blogs and reviews and all that kind of stuff. So you'll, you can find it, just go search. So find out the specs on your shoes, find out what heel to drop you are, find out how much it weighs, right? So these are all things to, to know because when you go to be a consumer of a new shoe, if your shoe was previously just weighing eight ounces and now you go look at a new shoe and it's, you know, 12 ounces, is that four ounces going to affect your foot and your body? Yeah, probably. Will you notice it? Probably not consciously, but stuff will, stuff will start happening. Changes will be made. You might notice some differences, but you can't really pinpoint it. So those are things that you want to look at. That's, an, that's a big one we do too with the, the cushion. When we drop someone down um, to, to zero drop, we try to match the stack height as best we can. So what I mean by that is we try to match the thickness of the sole. So if someone is in, um, say it's a 10 millimeter drop shoe, say the, um, heel is 30 millimeters from the ground and the toes are 20. Okay. So that's a 10 millimeter drop. 
we would go look at a zero drop shoe, so say an ultra, and try to match that stack height to be somewhere in the mid 20s, right? Because their their foot is used to being at least 20 to 30 millimeters off the ground. All right, so we would want to match that to some extent, so their body doesn't have this this shock to the system of going to zero drop and the shock of being closer to the ground all at the same time. Okay, so we want to do things very very gradually. So we would say, okay, let's go online together. Let's look at this shoe and let's try to find something with a stack height of 24, 25, 26 millimeters. So now their body only has to deal with the zero drop, the transition to zero drop first. So we're worrying more about the lengthening of the calf, lengthening of the Achilles, all these factors that would be more related to the heel to toe drop. So finding out the specs on your shoes is huge when you're making these decisions. Okay. And that's all really, you know, that, that, um, that that step three, I say, if we're looking in the cookbook, it's it's a step three. But here it's like, okay, three A, B, C, D, right? All the way down because it depends who you are, what you want to do. Everything matters. So we make those decisions based on, you know, what your situation is. All right. So when you make that that first transition, you're looking at the, the rest of the shoe. Okay, can I make any other transitions? Can I get a wider toe box? Can I get fl- flatter in the sole? Can I get a little more flexible in the sole? Those are all things we're starting to think about next, right? So that would be your, your step four, okay? And then really step five is, is um, and this is, you know, continuing on, right? Reap the benefits of wearing natural footwear, but also have a variety of footwear options. Because like I said before, with this spectrum, with this continuum, you're moving up and down it, you know, and it might be in a small range, but you're moving up and down it each day, each hour, Right. So if you, you wake up one day and you notice, oh, man, my foot hurts like I had I had plantar fasciitis, which is the diagnosis, but I had plantar fasciopathy, you know, 10 years ago. Is it coming back? Well, maybe you've just had a lot going on. You've been stressed out. You haven't been sleeping well. You know, there's a lot of factors at play, but that might be a day where we, you know, add a little more cushion to the footwear or maybe we go back into something with a little bit of a drop just to offload for the day or maybe for 48 hours. Right. So. Having footwear options allows you to, you know, ebb and flow throughout this continuum. So you're not just stuck stiff in one area. Like I'm, I'm just on this, this plot on the spectrum. No, it, you know, depending on how my life is going, how, how, you know, how stressful the job is, how stressful my family, you know, my home life is, all these kinds of things matter. You know, with my nutrition on point right now. Um, other injuries, right? So all those things affect where we are on this continuum. So we want to take all that into account and be like, okay, I've been having a little rough lately. Let me get a little more cushion on the shoes for now. Let me go back to a little bit of drop. And then we work our way back toward that higher end of the spectrum, that barefoot end of the spectrum as we feel better, right? So we don't necessarily have to say, okay, I'm going all minimalist right now. That's it. Throw everything else away. No, you can have multiple footwear options. Just know that if I go back to that positive heel, where I have that elevated heel, I don't want to stay there forever because I know there's these changes that are happening to the way my body operates that I don't want to continue on long term. Yeah. And, and as you know, you guys are all um, sitting there and thinking about your transition and starting to think about the shoes that you want. And I know we did talk a little bit about ultras. Those tend to be our go-tos in terms of transition. Um, you know, just to reiterate the fact that, you know, Nick, uh, really harps on that hitting that heel to toe drop first. And if, if you guys are confused about that, just let us know. I mean, um, you know, he talks about the stack height and the stack height is, you know, just to kind of go over it again, is the distance between the floor and the bottom of the shoe or where your foot is, your sole of your shoe. So, um, 
you know, Nick was saying that some of these shoes could, there could be 30 millimeters stack height on the heel side and then, you know, 20 millimeters on the toe side. And, you know, when you do basic subtraction, it comes out to 10 millimeter drop. So that's the drop between your heel and your toe. But the importance there is to go based off the stack height on the toe, um, because that is where your, your cushion is the lowest. And when you're looking for a transition shoe, that's where you want to focus most of your time. So um, especially if you're a runner and, and it's appropriate for you and you need more of that cushion, you know, like Nick said, if you're more of that barefoot type that can take that barefoot, you know, type of movement, then, you know, you could probably just disregard everything I just said. But, um, but in terms of that stack height, um, that 20 millimeter drop will be important for you. I mean, that 20 millimeter stack height will be important for you because as you're looking and, and ultra is really good about this, you can go right on their website and it'll literally say stack height, 23 millimeters or 24 millimeters or whatever the stack height may be. And then you just find the one um, that's that's the closest fit to where your shoe currently is. Now, you know, like Nick was saying, it's not always super easy to find these numbers. And uh, you know, and do they? Does Nike hide it? Does Asics hide it? Maybe, um, probably. Um, it's not always public information. I mean, sometimes you can do a quick Google search and you can find it based on the model number of your shoe, but um, not always. So um, just kind of keep that in mind as you're going through the transition as well. You know, we get so many people like, oh, I might as well just go to a Vivo Barefoot if I'm doing that again. Well, that was kind of like what happened 10, 15 years ago when barefoot running was like a huge thing. And then I just got this bad, you know, mantra about it just because everybody went zero to 100 and nobody knew how to transition. You know, they just thought barefoot was the best thing because they ran it in some running magazine uh, and then tried to copy what this person did in the magazine that probably had been training for like 10 to 15 years like that before they even, you know, went to that point. It, it was, it was the, the born to run born uh, to run yeah. when that book came out, there was a huge barefoot movement in, in Vibram. Uh, the five finger shoes were, were huge and everyone was just ditching their, their running shoes and jumping right to those. And the Vibram had all these civil lawsuits against them because everyone was like, Oh man, you said it was going to make me, you know, a better runner, a healthier runner, whatever, whatever the claims were or the verbiage was. But anyway, people just went zero to a hundred, right? They just jumped right into it going from their 10 millimeter drop, super cushioned shoe, narrow toe box. And now they just threw all these changes at it all at once. So people are getting hurt. And yeah, that's, that's the absolute wrong way to go about this. We're not saying go that route, go that route, do it progressively, you know, one, one little piece at a time, trial and error, you know, let your body adapt to it. It will adapt. You just have to give it the right stimulus and give it the time to do so. So it will change. One more point I wanted to touch upon. Don't let the outside of the shoe trick you. And what I mean by that is a lot of times, I mean, these 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 shoes come out, you know, looking so pretty, right? They look like all these little components are going to help you do this, do that, jump higher, run faster, all this kind of stuff. And sometimes it can look like it's zero drop on the outside, but the outside isn't always what it is happening on the inside. Like I mentioned before, where there's this concave sole that is like a boat on the inside. It actually makes your, the middle of your foot drop down more. But that's a lot of times not what the outside of the shoe looks like, right? So what's happening on the inside might not be the same as what's happening on the outside. So go look up the specs so you can actually see what the dimensions and all that kind of stuff of the shoe are um, take the sole out, you know, look at the sole, examine the sole. So open it up, like, you know, take, take the laces out, look at the inside, look at all these parts, really, really, really examine the shoe if you can. Um, and the other thing I'd say about the width is, um, 
the most expensive part of the shoe to make is the sole. So a lot of times to save money, the manufacturers, when they make an extra wide shoe, so like it's the, the 2E, the 2D, whatever, when they make that, they don't actually make it wider, they make it deeper. New balance. So when you, <laughs> when you put your foot in it, you feel like there's more space, but the it's north to south where you have more space, not east to west, because it's really easy to add you know, material to the upper. So the, the top part of the shoe, instead of making the sole actually wider. So all that does is just give you more space up and down, which I mean, could help a lot of people, but um, you know, it's not helping those toes play anymore. Your toes are still jammed in medial and laterally. So, you know, keep that in mind too. If you're looking at a shoe and you have to select the, the wider option, uh, there's a good chance it's not actually that much wider. You know, it might be slightly, just because the upper will will have a little bit more room to to uh, you know be flexible on the sides, but you know chances are it's not as wide as you think it is. Yeah, and kind of let's. Well, I mean, I know we're kind of going a little over on time, but you know what? I think it's worth the talk because I you just talked about toe splay and um, a lot of our patients, and and we do offer the the toe spacers, but I think it's probably worth the talk just to kind of talk about toe spacers a little bit because. I know some people either use them or have used them or have heard of them. Um, but how, how do we normally transition these pants? This is probably like a step 3B or whatever, C, <laughs> yeah. D, F, whatever it may be. But, um, you know, as people are getting more used to these shoes with wider toe boxes, I mean, uh, it, is it important to go to a toe spacer to get a better toe splay to take advantage of those wide toe boxes? I, I do think so. I, I think, would you, is it necessary? Uh, probably not. Um, but it will take your body longer to regain that efficient and, and optimal toe splay. So the toe spacers can help speed that process up, which is fantastic. Let's do it then. Um, and, and, and it's very little skin off your back, right? Like you throw them on and you move around with them. So the way we usually go about toe spacers is start in the house. Okay. So put them on in the morning, you know, start with, with increments of, of you know, most people can tolerate 15 minutes. And move around with them. So we, people always ask us, well, can I just sit on the couch? You can, but you're probably not going to get the most out of them because now your your toes are just splaying at rest and they're just going to kind of get achy as you sit there on the couch. It's going to make sitting on the couch not as fun. No one wants that. So wear them as you move around the house. First, first thing in the morning is great because, you know, you're making your coffee. You know, maybe you're putting away the dishes, things like that. So you're moving around. So put them on 15 minutes. 15 minutes goes by. Oh, it still feels really good. Okay, try another five, try another five. So say you start out and you can't take any more than 15 minutes. Great, that's your benchmark to start with. Okay, and we gradually try to increase that, that time frame that you can tolerate in there. And then once you get to the point where you can tolerate a minimalist shoe that has a really wide toe box, you can wear them in your shoes if you want, right? So you now kind of optimize that, that splay inside the shoe. Because what you'll notice when you first put on a more natural piece of footwear is that it will feel too big. Because your toes aren't using all the space. So you'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm normally size 12, but I, I guess I need to go smaller. No, you don't. Stick with the shoe. You just need to give your foot time, your body time to to regain that natural toe splay so you can use that space. Yeah, good point. Yeah, so if any of you guys have any questions on the toe spacers, just let us know. Um, that was, I mean, that pretty much covers it for toe spacers. I good mean, plug, that's, good plug. Yeah, yeah. So we uh we use we use the foot collective ones. We find that those are pretty good. We've also used the correct toes in the past. Um, correct toes tend to be a little bit more on the rigid side. They're a little bit more bulky too, so it's hard to wear in the shoes. 
um, as opposed to the foot collective ones, which are a lot thinner and they tend to be a little bit more flexible and, and forgiving. Yeah, the wild toes definitely fit in the shoe really well. Um, and I, I mean, if, if you want to just go on Amazon and search toe spacers, you can literally get the cheapest ones and they're probably going to add, add some space in between the toes, which it's not going to hurt you. It might not feel great at first, but it's not going to hurt you. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, that's, that's good on, on transitions. I mean, we'll, we'll probably cover a little bit more of this in the future as well. But um, for those of you that are more interested in feet and transitional footwear, uh, we are actually going to be having a workshop at Proform uh, next Friday, I believe it's the 23rd, from 3.30 to 4.30. And we're, if you, obviously, if you're not local, what we were going to do is we're going to live stream it on IGTV. So um, it will, we will have it live streamed and I'll see if I can somehow record it. I'm sure I can do that. I'll have to figure it out. I know I can do it. And then I'll, I'll put it up there so that you guys can see it just in case you guys miss it. Um, so if there's anything there that we might have, you know, missed in the podcast, we'll definitely cover it within that workshop as well. Yep. So, um, all right. So what do we got? What's coming up for next episode? I mean, we talked about feet. We talked a little bit about what we are about. And I think, I think it's probably time for story time. I mean, we get stories every day from patients. I mean, some of them are good. Some of them are ridiculous and some of them are just outrageous. Right. So, um, I think we're going to probably spend the next one. We might just kind of sprinkle this in too, and, and just kind of talk about the stories that we hear from our patients and clients every day. And and we're going to go into detail on these stories and, uh, you know, we're, we're either going to agree or disagree, but I, I have a feeling that we're going to probably agree to disagree most of the time because <laughs> some of these stories are pretty damn good. And um, the good news about the stories is, is you might find that this story might be just like your story. So if it's like your story, then listen to what we have to say, because um, we might be able to call bullshit on the story. Or you might be like, oh, maybe it's not bullshit. I don't know. Um, but tune in uh, next week. So we're definitely going to hit that up. And if you've got a cray cray story that you would like to talk about, then uh, let us know. So you can either DM us or email us or hey, if you want to call us, call us and tell us. I don't care. We'd love to listen to the story. So <laughs> um, so uh, anything else that we missed there, Nick? I think we're good. Yeah. So I think we're just going to, you know, we like to end the podcast with the moral of the story. So uh, I think the moral of the story here is Let's just create a positive relationship with your feet. Um, this is a lifelong journey, guys. It's not an overnight thing. Um, so let's start by freeing those feet. Oh, and uh, while we're at it, let's free Britney too. I mean, come on. It's Britney, bitch. Thank you for joining us in the rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at proformptma.com or on social media at proformptma. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.